Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about managing your finances made simple. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. All right, June 28th, 2021, back to the regularly scheduled program. Had a great uh, birthday week. Really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the relaxation time. I don't think you realize how important taking time off to relax is until you actually do it. It takes a couple of days for you to actually relax. And then once once you relax, your brain renews, you feel recharged. I feel a whole lot, a whole lot better this week, a whole lot more focused. So time off, super important. Today I want to talk about money management 101, uh, mainly because I know it's summertime. And summertime is when we like to travel, vacation, people spend lots more money. And money management is really, really important. A lot of people think that money management is only for people that don't have money, but you would be shocked that it's it's harder to manage money the, the more money you have. The more income you have, the more money you have in coming through, the better you have to be at money management because the numbers are bigger. And you know, a small mistake with a little bit of money, it affects you, but not as much. But a small mistake with when quite a bit of money is coming through can throw you significantly off your goals if you're not on top of it and you don't have a very good system. So I wanted to do this very short episode. Uh, I thought I'd I'd try to do something every quarter on it, but I haven't done anything in a while on it. And so this is literally the system that I use. Uh, It's big, borrowed and stolen from different pieces that I put together over the years, but it's a relatively simple system. Uh, Feel free to use it, share it, Uh, hit me up on Twitter or shoot me emails if you have any uh, further questions on it. Uh, This is the one that I share with clients and you know when we get together quarterly if they have any questions we do it everybody you know not everybody has to use it that's that's a client of mine but uh the ones that that that, that do want to use it you know they they love it and so uh it, it, it's it's really five different steps right the first step is you want to break your expenses into two different categories you have your fixed bills which are your needs and your discretionary bills which are your wants and so when you think of fixed bills, since there's lots of different bills, think of the bills or the needs, the bills that if something, if you if you don't pay something, if you don't pay this, something shuts off or defaults. Uh, so so this is going to be like people you owe money to. It's going to be insurance policies. Uh, it's going to be utility bills, uh, rent, mortgage, stuff like that. It's, I don't count um, gas and groceries in the needs, even though you need to eat. There's such a big discrepancy between like, you know, eating out every single day and couponing, right? A big gap, um, which at your discretion, you can choose to be really, really frugal on that or live your best life. But I put that in the in the discretionary want bucket because it's not a fixed bill. So fixed bill is something that you have to pay. If you do not pay it, something shuts off for default. So I recommend starting by just a simple spreadsheet, a regular Google sheet or uh, Excel sheet where you have your fixed expenses on, on on one side and your discretionary expenses on the other side. And you can call them needs and wants if you want. 
but I would, I would list them out that way and, 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 and go through one or two months of expenses to get the, to get the real number, because I'm going to talk about maintenance at the end, but as you maintain it, you'll fine tune those numbers because the numbers change, right? In, in the summertime, your energy bill is, is higher um, than any other time. And so you'll, you'll start to, after you maintain this every month for a year, you'll get pretty accurate on numbers and you'll just continue to tweak. But in the, in the, in the, in the beginning, just look at roughly, you know, two months to get these bills. And, um, and I, and I would even say, well, I'm going to give you some ratios to stick to so that you can uh, have a, have a buffer in there. And so step two is once you list it out, you want to say, okay, you know, put at the top of it, what your take home income is every single month of the spreadsheet, whether it's for, uh, if it's two people or one people, just figure out, okay, what do y'all take home monthly and, and, and put that at the top, um, you know, one, one, you know, put spouse, one income here or partner, one income here, partner, two income there. Okay. What's the monthly expenses and then put a total of what, what both of them come in if it's two of you. And what you want to have is I like to keep the, 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 the needs or the fixed expenses under 60% of of the total take home income. So if you take home $10,000 a month, you want that fixed column to be $6,000 a month or less. And here's the important part. If it's not, you have to really think hard about like what you want to cut. Maybe you got to hit the gym membership. Maybe you got to review your insurance policies. Maybe you have to do whatever it takes to get, get a new apartment that's cheaper. Uh, sell your home. Like it's important to get this under 60%. Um, of a number. And a lot of people will find that, that they're already under 60%. And so no harm, no foul, but get this number under 60% by any means necessary. It could also mean if you don't, if you don't want to cut anything, then you got to figure out a way to raise that income number to make more money so that, that drops under 60%, but get that under 60%. The next step is the, the once bucket that, that once bucket, what you, what you want to have is that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a column to add, um, but you want that total once number to be 30% or less um, of, your, of your income. And I would even say make it 30%, not even less. Keep it at 30% because what you're going to do is, you know, 20% is going to be um, guilt-free spending. So that's going to be gas, groceries, entertainment, like spend that however you want. If you have enough to eat out every single day and that's what you want to do for your food part, and then do that. Uh, if you want to add, you know, grocery shop, but buy clothes every single month, right? Do that. But I would, I would keep the actual. I would, I would figure out what those numbers are, and then I would, I would add ten percent to that for you know buffer spending, right? So, for example, let me go back to the previous example. You make ten thousand a month. The discretionary column should be about. $3,000 a month for that column. You're going to have about $2,000 for just the spending, gas, groceries, entertainment, whatever you want. And then $1,000 extra is going to be for buffer. And this is stuff that happens throughout the year that you don't plan for. It's the vacation overage. It's the stuff that popped up that, that we didn't really know about. The AC blew out. It's, again, things that we did not account for. Typically, typically, well, let me go into this in the next column. So it's the things that we did not really account for. And so that 30% is for once discretionary bucket and 10% goes to debt and elimination and investing. 
And so let me, let me, let me, let me take a step. Step three is defining like why I put this together this way. I wanted to, I wanted to define, you know, saving and investing, right? So that 10% that that's going to be the buffer column in the discretionary bucket, that's going to be money that you take that and you put that into your savings account. But Savings accounts don't pay much. And most of the time, people don't actually keep money in savings account. I call a put and take account. They put money in and take it out. and But they end up feeling bad. I'm like, no, listen, don't feel bad. That's that's what the money is for. Because you don't always know what you're going to want to spend money on. So take that, you know, take that 10% and then put it in that savings account uh, and make it towards expenses that you're going to have in the 12, next 12 months that we can't account for. So, you know, some emergency comes, some, you know, something something um, messes up in the house or vacation or whatever you can account for, but you'll, you'll have that money building in that account intentionally on purpose so that you don't have to put that stuff on, on, on credit card. And you can do more, right? If you, if you say, Hey, we don't, you know, of that 30%, we only really need 15% for discretionary because we actually coupon. We don't eat out every single day. We don't drive a lot and have a whole lot of uh, a big gas bill. And so you can add more into that discretionary you know, buffer bucket, the, the, the more, the better, but it allows you to build up money that you actually can spend guilt-free in that account. And one of the part, important part in that, in that discretionary wants bucket, I would even recommend, you know, husband and spouse, y'all say, Hey, out of this 30%, um, you know, maybe take 5% each, put it in your own accounts that you can spend money on, like without asking the other spouse, it doesn't have to be, um, approved by the other spouse that also like relieves tension, relieves stress, uh, makes you feel better, allows the, uh, the spouse to work together, not blow the budget up. So you have, you know, family discretionary bills, and then you'll have your own separate personal accounts for your own discretionary bills that comes out of that, um, that one bucket. Um, but the, but the, but the savings or the emergency fund, um, or the, the buffer account acts as your, uh, emergency fund, and your whatever comes up. And and, and so then that other 10% that goes into your debt elimination and investing, you know, the the that's where you're gonna hold your what typically people think as as um as a savings account, like your long-term savings, your uh money that you don't really want to touch, you're gonna hold it in that bucket. But you know, we're gonna hold that in a uh, actual investment account, a brokerage account, not a retirement account. I like to recommend like a brokerage account because it's liquid if you need to, like if you lose a job and you have to get the money, then you can access it without penalties and taxes. But you want to you want to build that account and, you know, put it in a position where it can actually potentially earn money over time. And it's something that you're just like, most people are not going to reach into their brokerage account to go on a vacation, but they'll reach in their savings account and do that. And so this allows you to put money somewhere where you really won't touch. It could potentially earn money. And it really ends up being uh, for the long term. But, but when I go there, the question always says, well, Philip, do I put the whole 10% in there? And I'm like, no, nah, if you still have debt, just split it down the middle, 50-50, right? 5% towards that elimination, build your Dave Ramsey snow, debt snowball, and then 5% towards your investing bucket. Now, this is completely separate from if you have a 401k, like at least do the match in your 401k plan, um, you know, at a minimum, uh, do the match. Uh, from that. And so, you know, where that match money comes from, because typically it comes out before your paycheck. And so it would have come out before uh, the take home number. But if, you know, if you um, if you do have a 401k, then go ahead and enroll 
do the minimum and then and then redo your budget based on the, on the new take home number because it's going to it's going to change how much you take home when you do that but then redo your budget based on that uh and then, but still stick with that 10% of what you take home you know put half towards the elimination half towards uh half towards investing and so um and that and that and the investing goal you know i say you know w- w- once you have something like 3 you know, three years to five years of your total budget, your total spending budget in that account, you no longer have to fill up that bucket. You can start putting all your money inside retirement accounts and locking it up for a long period of time if you, if you want to. Um, you know, but um, I like to recommend at least three years in that bucket because what ends up happening is at some point my clients say, hey, I don't, I want to either change careers, I want to start a business. And if you with foresight, you know, have those, have that money set aside, you have that buffer. And if you never need it, it still goes towards your financial independence number. So the money in this investment account is still going towards becoming financially independent. You're just not locking it up in a retirement account where you can't touch it with penalties and all that before, you know, if, if, if you need it. And so I would fill that bucket up to at least three, three years, pay off your debt. And then once that happens, you can reallocate, you know, the money you're putting towards debt elimination and or investing towards Max not your 401k and all those other buckets that are going to lock up your money for a long period of time. Because here's another thing. Nobody who I know who's not five years away from retirement or seven years away from retirement gets excited about locking their money up until 59 and a half. And so unless, you know, unless you're 50 or over, you know, I don't I don't love maxing out uh, your 401k if you if you still have debt and you don't have enough money in that um, in that investment brokerage account to have liquid money because that's just a long time to lock up money for all the things in life that, that comes in our plan that we can't account for. And in the previous episodes, you talked, you heard me talk about creating a plan to become, to be, to live the life you want sooner rather than later, well before retirement. Um, and so, you know, reiterate the accounts on step four, you got your operating account, which is your needs money. So this is where your, uh, all you have your money direct deposited into this account. Um, and so those are, and so then your needs can be on bill pay or you could pay every single month, but you're not going to, you don't, you typically, nobody overspends on the needs money because it's set. And then what you want to do is you want to transfer out the, the 30%, um, into two different accounts. You got the 10% that goes to that savings account that you can take money in and put it out as you need it. And then the other 20%, you know, I, I use a credit card that gives points and rewards. Um, so you can use that or you can just use like another debit card, another uh, debit account. Um, but you separate the you separate the money out of and you separate the expenses in different accounts so that, um, you know, most people won't overspend uh, on their needs, but, the, but they, they're going to overspend on their wants. So if we separate it out, you can't blow your wants on your you can't blow your rent on your wants and, and, and it and also allows you to not have to like track a budget every single week, every single day, you just separate it out. You know, Hey, if, if I leave, if I make 10 grand a month, I leave the six grand in operating expenses. We're not going to overspend on that. And I transfer the other 10% into that short-term savings account and the other 20% into our discretionary account um, that, you know, that we either pay the, you know, pay the credit card off with that we that we run all the bills in that account on, or we just spend out of that account. It's cool. Again, if you have two spouses where you have your own separate account, you might split that out further into the 
spouse's account. But the point is you get it out of the operating account and you put it somewhere else. And then you spend all discretionary expenses out of that account. Um, um, and you have that savings account as the backup to cover uh, overages as they come up every single month. And then the third account is that investment account, the brokerage account that you have, that you're building that three to five years of expenses in that account for. And then all you do is you just monthly maintain you every month, you set aside an hour or two, um, you or you and your partner, um, you review how much you actually spent. You review anything coming up in the next month that you're going to spend money on. Um, you adjust the numbers because again, for the first 12 months, you're going to have to get the numbers accurate anyway. And then, you know, after three, four, five months, you're like, oh, okay, we got to get filled with our money. We got to get built, filled with our experience on, on our expenses. You see the buffer account building, that savings account that's part of the discretionary bucket. You see that uh, building. You feel you can breathe. You can actually spend money and breathe and go, you know, when you go on vacation and you're nervous about what you're spending, cause you don't know where the money is and where it's going and how much you have. Since you have the system, you can breathe like, oh, okay, cool. I know I'm not spending the rent money cause it's not been spent out of that account. I have an idea of what we can spend on discretionary. You know, we have all this buffer extra money that, um, that we have going into this account that we know that can cover overages if, if, if need be. But, you know, we, since we thought about this with foresight, we, you know, you might say, hey, we actually don't need the buffer this month because we've been we're on top of our finances. And just having that plan and the monthly maintenance is it will be the best one to two hours of, um, you know, of time that 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 you uh, can spend per month. Uh, but you got to do it. Like you can't skip it. You have to do it. If you need accountability, get your wealth manager to do it with you. But make sure you do step five, which is the monthly maintenance, to review and stay on track with uh with what you're doing and a note for those who have variable income i would take the same process but you're going to have to just um hey i think get a line of credit so you can say okay i need i need to minimally you know pay myself this much or i'm, I'm on the poor house and so um sometimes you might not have and you might use your line of credit to um um to pay that but you can base your your budget off your minimum and then as you have more, you can use the, you know, use the percentages that I share with you to allocate to different buckets. But also you can use it to say, hey, maybe for my minimum, in addition to my line of credit, that you make sure that whether you got an Uber, wait tables, whatever, that you always hit that minimum number. But that's what I would do. So I hope this helps somebody. Please share this episode with somebody. You know, people think people that make three, four hundred thousand a year. Um, don't need this, but they need it the most. This is this is what just or just as much people who make forty thousand a year. Until tomorrow, y'all enjoy your day. Talk to you later. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.